1: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, Hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, your host here with Startup Hustle, founder of Marknology. Um, super excited about our guests every time, Colleen Monroe. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for coming in. She said she just got done painting, which is like, I'm going to just share everything because this is how entrepreneurial really goes. Just, she's like, I just got, got changed from painting threw some clothes on. Didn't know we were doing video. I got her on, we have a couple live people with us today. So say hello, um, anyone jumping in the chat. I'll try to, uh, bring it up for Colleen, but Colleen, um, you know, we're new friends, uh, you know, I know very little about you, but I'm super excited to hear um about your business specifically like this year and um yeah. you know i think i have a lot to share um you know with what i've seen too and how people have pivoted in during the pandemic and um you know really just being been an entrepreneur continue to be an entrepreneur through like whatever comes up let's start um kind of before today give me a little background on yourself like kind of what got you here um and and, and got you into entrepreneurship
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like entrepreneurship runs through my veins. (laughs) I mean, ever since, I think when I started out like seven years old, I had my like, I had a card and cleaning company and I'd walk around the neighborhood selling handmade cards or like offering cleaning services. And that's just kind of been the rhythm of my life till today at 32 years old now. Well, Um,
1: where where did you grow up?
0: um, So I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. And um, when I was 17 um moved to California with my dad and um didn't really know what I was gonna do I actually had wanted to like pursue journalism but I was I was a competitive Irish dancer at the time so all I knew is I'm just gonna dance and I'm gonna waitress and I was just taking some art classes at a community college um
1: super cool okay so uh you're a professional Irish dancer I was (laughs) okay was um we have a lot in common I think um (laughs) Okay, so you're is is Ohio considered the Midwest?
0: Yeah, I like to right. think so. I like right? to think that. I'm getting back to my Midwest roots because I just moved here to Kansas City, Missouri, from okay. LA about a couple months ago.
1: Oh yeah, I was gonna ask. So you know, you came back. I don't I don't know if that's entrepreneurship or family or just random. Like any answers are good. But like we'll get to that. Just hold on, just a second. I want to I want to slow you down on this backstory. So you're a professional dancer, Irish which is just, you don't hear that very often. Okay. Uh, and you're in school community college. Mm-hmm. What else?
0: And, you know, I actually had found out about a small film school in San Diego. Um, didn't know I wanted to go into film, okay. but I always loved storytelling and I love journalism and, um, went to the school, it was super, super small startup school. Um, And it's just funny, my whole background has just been very untraditional. I mean, I grew up like homeschooled. I grew Mm -hmm. up like very off the grid. And so I guess I just always love creating things and kind of doing things that are off the common path, I guess. And so I found out about this really cool startup school that was focusing on just hands-on filmmaking um, and creative journalism. And so I went, moved to San Diego. went to school there, super small graduating class. It wasn't even accredited at the time. And I was just, I'm gonna, a lot of the professors came down from LA to teach. So I went there um, to school uh, for three years in San Diego. And then um, after I graduated actually, um, so I ended up getting a degree in entertainment media and I studied uh, focusing on film producing and directing. And I actually had, I wanted to just like be like an Oscar award-winning producer. But, um, I kind of found out about the world of costume design though, while I was working, um, or while I was going to school and I, I've always loved fashion and art and making things. I sewed and made things my whole life and just, um, you know, just always had an affinity for that. And so I found out about costume design when I was in film school and kind of pivoted away from producing and directing. Um, I had already done several internships up in L.A. for producing and directing with different studios. Um, But then I realized I can merge my just love for fashion with filmmaking and Mm -hmm. design. And I just became obsessed with it. And when I become obsessed with something, I just like immerse myself into it 150 (laughs) percent. All in. All in. So I actually was like, okay, so I want to make it in Hollywood as a costume designer. What do I need to do? So I actually took a job at the school. I went, um, uh, at the school I graduated from, I was just working in, um, development by day. And then I started a podcast actually on costume design. It was the only costume design podcast. And, um, it ended up getting,
1: what year was that?
0: Um, I think, dude, I was like, I didn't even know what podcasts were at the time. I didn't know any of the software to use to edit. And I just had to Google it all. Um, I think it was 2010. I started the podcast. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And um, I was like, well, I'm going to figure out how to meet all the costume designers and all the craftspeople in the film industry, because no one was really highlighting the behind the scenes crews. Mm -hmm. And so I would sometimes skip work or like on the weekends, I would drive up to LA and go to all the film events, all the costume design events, all the fashion events, and just started interviewing every single costume designer in Hollywood. Um,
1: We we could stop the podcast right there for anyone listening, like, you know, how you figure out what you want to do, how you go all in, how you, uh, you know, learn about something you don't know about, like um, how you start, just go talk to people,
0: Yeah. like
1: talk to people doing what you want to do. Like, you know, I, I don't think that's a big Midwestern thing. I think that's more like a coast thing, East coast, West coast. Um, You know, my cousin went to school in DC and he was like, Are you doing like these informational, like lunches, you know, like it's not even about sales, you know, it's, or it's just like, yeah, you're just like going to pick their brain. I'm like, no, I've never heard of that. Like, you know, we don't do that, but it was like kind of revolutionary for me to think about, I can just ask these people. And I started doing that, you know, in the last six years on my own as well, like here, just being like, I want to learn more about PR, you know, and then just like seeking out someone that knows a lot more than me and asking them for coffee, you know, I'd be surprised. That's so, okay. Right. I didn't, I didn't mean to take over, but I, I like, I think that was a huge home run I wanted to hit on that. Is just like, you're like, I was just going to LA and I was just talking to as many costume designers as I could find. Um, where'd that take you?
0: Thank you. No, I, yeah, it was a hustle. Um, so I did that for a year and I was just collecting business cards. Um, and honestly for me, I just saw it as like another form of education. Like yeah. there were no books. So I was just like, I'm gonna Home learn. School. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just like, I'm gonna learn from the people on, you know, on the ground in the trenches working. Um, so I eventually saved up enough money that year I was working at this school um to have my first month's rent in LA. And so I quit after a year and I moved up to LA, took a waitressing job um, and just started calling every single business card I collected that whole year on the podcast. Um, and <laughs> I, uh, I ended up reaching out to the costume designers on Boardwalk Empire, HBO's Boardwalk Empire. I don't know if any of you have seen it. I have. Um, the Godfather in a TV show and they were filming season four at the time in New York. And the designers actually were in town in L.A. for three days when I happened to email them. And I was just like, hey, can I meet you for coffee? I'm new to the film industry. I really just want to learn more about the costume design world. We met earlier this spring at this fashion event where I interviewed you. And they remembered me. So um, I called in sick to my waitressing job because they're like, yeah, come meet us at our hotel tonight. Um,
1: always immediate.
0: Oh, man. So I was just like, all right, whatever it takes. (laughs) So um scrambled over to the hotel. Um and 15 minutes in, she was like, You wanna move out to New York and assist me on season four? And I was like, Yeah, totally. Like I had never been to New York. I had no friends out there. I and they're like, Can you move in two weeks? So I just threw all my stuff into a friend's garage um and put my car in their garage. And I took a flight out to New York and I I hit up every single friend I knew. I was like, who has a friend in New York? I can just sleep on their couch with for like a month. So I can figure out housing. Um, because I knew I got the job. I just had to figure out how to actually like.
1: Maybe it's six weeks or eight weeks before you get yeah. paid. And like, yeah.
0: Whatever it took. I was like, this is my break into the film industry. And mm. I was like, I'm not going to let this go to waste. So um, yeah. So I flew out to New York. Didn't, this was, I never worked on such a big studio film uh project before. And Boardwalk Empire at the time, had won so many Emmys. So it was the biggest um, TV project in New York. Wow, honestly, in the industry at the time, um, we were had some of the best craftspeople, the best costume designers, um, working on that show. So I was so grateful to actually have this
1: opportunity. So did she not have an assistant or like what set that up?
0: So I was there like, so they had assistants everywhere. I was the costume designers personal PA assistant. So I um, did everything from picking up feather boas in downtown New York to helping to dress the actors to going to fittings with Steve Buscemi, like literally anything creative that the costume designers had to do. If I had to pick up special beads, um, I was like their right-hand girl. Um, We had the biggest inventory of 1920s clothing. And so I helped to source some of that and all the fabric. And um, so it was like, yeah, baptism by fire, being thrown onto such a big project. Um, having just come from a waitressing gig. And um yeah, it was it was the hardest ten months of my life. I didn't sleep sleep like a wink. I think it was like fifteen, eighteen hour days sometimes. Yeah. But um man, it really um it shot me headfirst into the film industry and um because I'd wanted to be a Oscar-winning, award-winning costume designer?
1: You know, I think the the number one thing I would say, like, people are just like, how do you get started in entrepreneurship? Like, what's it take? Like, you know, those, those questions. And they're generic, but they're just like, that's where people are starting. And um, I just had my partner from uh, my real estate business on the podcast before you. And we were talking about, you know, there's no way around the work. You just have to do the work and like, you have to jump all in. We were talking about being all in and not really being passionate about things unless I'm all in. Otherwise it's just kind of a backup plan and there's nothing like the first year is just so much work. Yeah. Um, it's the only way to go.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And you just, I think when you're in the grind and you're doing it, it's just looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, how did I do that? But when you're in it, you just, you just get into this flow and this focus.
1: Yeah. People are called, people are always like, you know, probably giving me a lot of shit about working too much which I hear uh you know but I love it and it's like I love you know building this thing and it's like it doesn't feel like work when I'm in it and time just flies and you know I am about balance and you know I am about trying to at least seek it you know and but there is a balance of a hundred like zero to one hundred and being completely aligned on another side like an obsession kind of side um an all-in kind of side that um gets you some places that 50-50 doesn't you know, yeah, so something I, like I, saying, I'm going, I'm yeah, going to New York.
0: Even work-life balance, uh, because for, it doesn't necessarily make sense to find that happy medium. Sometimes it requires you to be all in. And then other times it's like, I'm shutting off all my devices and I'm going to be completely focused on my friends or my family. Like this idea of like trying to strike this perfect rhythm, that can actually in itself just make you go mad because that just is impossible. I mean, some when you actually are an entre- entrepreneur and you're trying to build something, Sometimes you have to sacrifice certain things to get to that next step. It's not always forever, but I just believe like we live in seasons
1: and mm-hmm.
0: so depending on the season that you're in, like it just requires a different, um, energy level, different capacity to like focus. So,
1: and I think it's hard when the seasons change, like I just, you know, cause I think I'm in this season and then, you know, it switches essentially. And then you got to reassess and be like, okay, it's a different season. And now I need rest or I need, yeah. you know, whatever you need. Um, more personal time or this or that. Um, for me, it's usually just like, I have no problem when I'm in the season. It's more so like the transitioning between them sometimes can be difficult and knowing that it's there. Um, but I've been through several of those for sure. Yeah. Um, just, you know, if you're only taking advice that's like, be balanced, like, you know, uh, you know, make sure you're spending enough time for self and yada, yada, yada. Um, to those people, I'd say like, whoever has accomplished anything great doing that you know and who has ever like really changed the game whether it's even just changing the game in your own life to go from a server to one of the biggest tv sets at that time it takes an action like saying yes and the reason the lady probably was like we'll find a spot for her because when you've actually like done something like i'm sure the boss was that had hired you had done a whole lot of things to arrive where she was um it's more about the person Than it is like, you know, I think this person has it. They're literally driving up to LA to interview me. She's still on me. She finally made the move here. Like this girl is trying to do it. And I would rather bet on someone that's like all in than someone that's like, I've been an assistant for four years and I was on, you know, XXX. Um, At least someone that's like, you know, in that stage myself of like trying to hire the right people and make the right moves. For me, it comes down to, um you know just seeing that ambition seeing that passion i guess is really that's it so I, I guess i was trying to dig in a little bit and i went down a rabbit hole but i was yeah. trying to dig into like why um you know what the position was like had she just like lost an assistant and needed someone and kind of made this spontaneous decision or did they kind of create a place for you
0: i think they created a place for me i don't really know actually <laughs> um
1: You're just like i'm here there's a lot of stuff to be done let's get yeah. to it
0: i think they just needed uh someone assisting just the costume designers because it was fast and furious and they were down people and i I don't know the moons aligned and i just happened to like meet them at the right time um but yeah i was i i was a little shocked that it happened so fast i mean it was about a year in the making of just planting those seeds and meeting people but um yeah from the time i met them to like moving out to New, new york it was so fast
1: Yeah. It happens. It's slow, but fast. It's like, I don't know the year feels like a lot of days, but like all of a sudden you're like, how did that happen? Um, okay. So you, you, did you leave family behind? You leave a boyfriend, significant other, like,
0: I mean, it kind of ties in with what we were just talking about. Just like a season of focus. I, I am sometimes a crazy person. I just like one, I can be, I just throw myself into things. And my focus at the time was just yeah, I didn't like date at all, like through my 20s at all. I mean, I think at the end of my 20s, I was just like, I get so focused on wanting to um, sometimes, you know, to my detriment, I need to like, go back and actually focus on personal relationships, which I'm I'm working on right now. But um, I was just so driven by this dream. And when these doors started opening, opening for me, like, going out to New York and pursuing film. Like I knew that had to be my focus and I don't really believe in multitasking and trying mm-hmm. to do all these different things. And I was like, if the opportunity is given to me, I'm going to go all in. I don't want to get emotionally involved with, um, a boyfriend right now. And, and this is, this is the sacrifice I want to put in right now to pursue a dream. And I just like went all in with it.
1: For me, it was, um, uh, my first business was being in a band. So I moved from Hawaii in 07, found a band like having auditions uh, off Craigslist, and uh, went and did tryouts. Uh, I didn't know anyone here in Kansas City at that time, like I'd been here off and on as a kid, but like, had been in Hawaii for four years, and then you know, was in Africa before that. And so yeah, it was just like homeschooled and all those things, right. And um, but thinking outside the box comes naturally to me. Why? Because I've taught myself everything you know, for the most part with the guide, you know, yeah. curriculum. Um, but it makes it easier when you haven't had someone tell you every single thing to think and do uh, to think differently than what everyone else thinks and does, because like sure. you weren't given that structure, you know. Um, but so for me, it was the band and it was it was a we call it slaying the tour dragon in the industry yeah. a little bit. But it's like uh, if you're a musician, almost everyone has this like uh, desire to tour. You know, and like if you're really in, it's just like you're trying to get to the, like you're trying to get on the road, you're trying to get people to like hear your music and network and meet people, and tr- it's like driving to LA and interviewing people. You know, every night is a new venue, new chance to like meet someone that's gonna like introduce you to someone.
0: You know, mm-hmm.
1: and uh it's a lot of huh?
0: It's a building season, where you're
1: right? Yeah, it's
0: when you're building. Yeah, that a lot of. Hope.
1: You don't even know what you're doing. Like you're just, I mean, that's, I was telling you a little bit before you started the show, like I've been a painter. I worked at warehouses. I've been a security guard at a casino, you know, bartending for seven years. Yeah. Um, it was all to tour. It was all to tour. Like everything revolved around my practices, my shows, like hitting the road. Um, and I remember that, like it was, uh, I just realized that I wasn't going to make any money doing that. At, at some point, and that's when I like you know took my degree, which is my backup plan and ran with it um but it was an absolute passion and it was like, look you can't do anything with excellence like just like barely in and I don't know if that was like being raised as religious as I was it was a very conservative like upbringing um Same. that and, you like, know it, yeah, no, I know i I agree and I'll try not to like harp on that too much, but like I, I was like uh you know, maybe it's because they raise you like, don't be one, like, h- like half on the fence, like, you know, one leg over, like you're either like in church or out of church or um, it's the worst of both worlds, if you're gonna like sin, so to speak, go <laughs> sin. like, yeah. you know, like, get it out. Um, and if you're gonna come to church, like be in church. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's that I don't know if it's just the type of person that I am. But for me, it was always like, if you're gonna do something, like go do it, go all in. Um, okay so bringing it back bringing it back so you you finish up boardwalk season four yeah where are we
0: um so i was still doing the podcast at the time because i was like i gotta keep networking to like stay in the biz um so i was interviewing um people out in hollywood in la different costume designers there um and one a costume designer who was doing all the superhero films michael wilkinson Um, I had interviewed him and he was working on a movie, Batman versus Superman. And he's like, you know, I might have some spots open for you to come out here. He's like, just hit me up next time you're in L.A. And I was like, well, I don't know when I'm going to go in L.A. unless I intentionally go to L.A. So again, like these moments, I think I thrive in the unknown. I thrive in like when you have a hundred dollars bank account. Like a
1: pandemic.
0: Yeah, it's like you know you just don't give a fuck and you're like I have to just jump into this yeah um so i yeah i was like you know what season 4 wrapped on broadwick empire i really want to go work in the heart of the film industry which was in los angeles um i was meeting more and more people there and um also i just you know i miss the mountains i Miss California, but I really, I think I wanted to move back to LA just based on a conversation I had with Michael Wilkinson. I get these little hunches where I'm like, ah, I think this could lead to something. There was Mm -hmm. no job offer or anything. So I, um, ended up just shipping my stuff back back to San Diego to a friend of mine where I was housing all my stuff for free. She was such a blessing. Love her. And, um, moved out to LA, um, or San Diego. Um, for two weeks and just um I had messaged Michael Wilkinson when I got back to California I was like hey I'm back in town you want to meet up and he was like oh yeah sure so I drove up to LA and he actually had just filled that spot um to work with him in the costume department but he's like um why don't you drive over to meet my buddy who's working on night at the museum three um they're looking for someone and at that time too um so I just have to pause for a moment. Something that has driven, um, I think just propelled me forward and giving me confidence is, um, you know, Seth Godin. Yeah. The marketing guru. So I had read his book like 10 years prior, and it's just been really inspiring to me. Um, purple cow and this idea of being remarkable and setting yourself apart. Um, and so I was like, well, how do I get people to notice me in the film industry when I come back to LA? So I actually had hit up all the costume houses with my resume, which I'd printed on fabric. And um, I had printed my business card in costume design to tag all the costumes you printed on a manila tag, a yellow manila tag. So I printed my business card on that and I safety pinned it. Cause you safety pin it onto the costume onto my resume. And I just went to all the costume houses and I made that resume for the um the costume supervisor of Nine at the Museum three and I walked in and he like held up my resume which was fabric and he was like uh, what's this <laughs> but um he's like he so- loved
1: it yeah. he loved it though. yeah
0: he did he was just like wait he like actually looked up at me <laughs> where he was re- he was a tough he was a tough egg to crack he was scary um hmm. so I uh, yeah so I he's like okay I'll um come in next week and you can start work. <laughs> Um, so I was like, great. I mean, two weeks into California, I like didn't have a job lined up. I was, and I had like a hundred dollars in my bank account. I didn't know how I was going to make it. Um, and yeah, they hired me the next week. Um, but it wasn't easy (laughs) that transition. Um, Floating. What's that?
1: You're floating in between.
0: I was floating and my car. So on the first day I drove up from San Diego to LA for the first day of my job. And I was driving this broken down minivan and I was halfway to LA and it broke down at 5am on the first day of my job. And in order to do my job, cause I'm like picking up fabric and costumes and things like you need a car and my car broke down. So I, um, I actually, I got a, a taxi cab for 350 bucks just to make it to the set on time by 8am. And when I got there and showed up, um, I didn't have a car (laughs) and, um, they're like, uh, well, you're no use to us. And I was like, I'll figure this out. Can someone drive me to a rental car company? But because I didn't have any paychecks from California yet, they, and I didn't have a credit card. All I had was a debit card. None of the rental companies were renting to me. I was, I think I was like 23 at the time. So I was like below 25.
1: No, Uber was there Uber?
0: there was no Uber or anything. Like, and so I finally got to the last car rental place and I just like broke down. I was like, you don't understand. I need to eat. Please rent me this car. And they rented it to me and I actually was able to keep the job. Hell yeah. Uh, That was a rough, that was a rough patch.
1: But you also like, man, just hearing that is inspiring. Like I, I had those memories, you know, I don't, maybe I don't tell them like that or remember them in that way. Um, But it's like, whenever you've been through that and you go through the next one, you go through the next one, you hit that bottom. You think there is no other bottom, you know, in some way you're just like, man, every single time shit happens, I get punched in the face. I somehow figure it out. I get up so far. I've gotten up every single time, you know? And so then you start to just build this confidence. That's like, you know what, like, actually, like, you can punch me and knock me down, like, I get, I'm going to get back up, you can like, literally take my car out, I have to be there on time, I won't have a car, I have to have a car to have the job, like, figure it out, you yeah. know, and that's really, um, you know, it's just very inspiring. But I think that everyone's story, um, not everyone's story, but a lot of stories of entrepreneurship start with that tough that toughness that just like you start to be able to like trust yourself trust your ideas trust your gut to get it done
0: yeah i mean i don't know if i i had all the trust then and i was
1: you haven't yeah but you get it you get it now right Like,
0: it's increased my risk tolerance i think all those things just like helps you take more you get more confident about taking more risks figure it out yeah and to figure it out because like you're in the present moment and it doesn't make you i think i do i have started to get too far ahead of myself. And I think back to those moments where I was like, you know what, I just have to think of the next challenge in front of me and the next step. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so after that, I just ended up working on different other TV shows and film sets and commercials and music videos. Um,
1: Stayed in California.
0: Yeah, in LA. Um, And then um, got a little burnt out in the film industry. (laughs)
1: Okay, so let's let's start there. Like, I want to bring it to where to what we're doing today. Um, before we go there, a quick shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, Fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Talking about the next chapter, so you get burned out. I uh, some crazy. Like, I've had my own insecurities as a person. We all do, you know. And um, I got an opportunity to model. Like, this was like 2000. 15 or 16 i don't know a friend was at a modeling agency they had a request for someone with a beard and tattoos she sent them my instagram uh i don't think there's a lot of models with beards and tattoos in kansas city i'm not really sure you know and uh so maybe i got it by default but the next thing i know i'm showing up on a set of a hershey's take five candy bar yeah that was my first shoot uh I think I got paid close to five grand for that shoot. Oh my gosh! Uh, they used like a hand, um, a hand photo, and so it was like two photos. I didn't know that that was even a thing, but they used like two. Yeah. Um, you know, you get paid retroactively. I didn't even know it was happening. Like I just showed up, uh, and but I was like a union model for a year after that. I think I automatically got that assigned me to the union for that shit. and I did a Twitter one, and I did a couple more. Oh and so that was a sh- one, I did it just to conquer my own fears, my own insecurities, honestly. And then it turned out to be just like kind of a little bit of fun because I owned my time at that point. And, but it was chaotic. Oh my goodness. I was like, I was already at that, that point in my business. I was like, if I have to, like, I wouldn't be a model if they paid me like a ton of money or like, I wouldn't like work in this industry because everything was like 30 minutes ago everything was 30 minutes ago. Like, you know, it's just so fast paced. I can't imagine doing that for like an extended period of time and not being burnt out. Um, yeah. It's this comparison industry a little bit, you know, in that regard um, during like the Hershey's one was easy, but the Twitter ones you like, there's people there that you're competing with or trying out with like uh, just exhausting. I don't know. That's how I think about it. Um, you know, there's an allure to it, but over time, you know, I don't know. How long did you do that?
0: Yeah.
1: How long were you um, in that space? Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, in the film space? Yeah. You know, it's it's that's kind of hard to say because up until even this past March, um, I would, still had one foot in the film world because I was styling for Mattel, um, like okay. commercials or photo shoots for like Barbie or, you know, Hot Wheels. So I've always kind of like still dabbled in it, but like that was back... I decided to kind of jump out of the film industry full time in I think it was like two two thousand and like I don't even know, sixteen or something. Okay. Yeah. So you're in LA. Yeah. Well I at the time I I was getting more and more it, it was more like the lifestyle too that I just didn't want to sustain forever. I I think there's actually so much abuse that's happening in the film industry. It's actually very dated in how they approach, you know, just how they treat their workers and film crew people. And um, I didn't know if I necessarily wanted to be on the film union. I was actually about to get into the Costume Designers Guild. But I just didn't want to be part of um, just like, I don't know, being conformed to just union shoots. Like it wouldn't give me opportunity to kind of go off and do my own thing. And I, again, I think it was the entrepreneurial spirit that was just like kicking in. Um, A lot of people were burnt out in the film industry. And I just, um, I think there's awesome things that happen and I'm so grateful. I got to work on some of the most incredible projects and I've met some of the most incredible people, but the lifestyle that I actually wanted wasn't working in the film industry full time. Got it. and at the time I was getting really passionate about, um, because I was working around fashion, um, is I was getting more interested in conscious and sustainably made fashion just because it was, um, at the time and it still is, it's getting a lot better now, but, um, just like the second biggest pollutant in the world. And a lot of, um, I just wanted to, a lot of, abuse that was happening in the film industry. And I was just getting really interested in wanting to start my own clothing company, um, design company um, that was around conscious fashion and bringing awareness to more sustainably made clothing and um, uh, kind of highlighting the abuse that was happening in the film industry. And um, I think I was just a little, it was a a bit frustrating just running a hundred million miles a minute. And I I didn't feel like I was making a difference in the world. (laughs) And um, I felt like if I had my own business and I was passionate about the mission behind it, I, um, uh, it was something that was just on my heart. I wanted to make an impact through a company that I actually could create and launch.
1: I think a lot of us start there. Um, A lot of founders, you know, it's just. uh... I was someone that was all in even for corporate companies or start like working for someone else. I was all in, whether it's a server or a painter or a warehouse worker, like I did my job all in um, and just got, eventually I just got tired of going all in for people that weren't all in for me. Yeah. And you know, and uh, maybe that's the selfish thing. I don't know, but it was like, look, if I'm going to work, for other people, it better be for a really good cause. Mind you, My, I'm a fourth generation missionary kid. Like, you know, they there's like purpose, you know? And uh, so for me, that was like just a matter of time that I was like, this is never gonna, I'm never gonna be happy doing this, um, whatever it is. Uh, and it's not that I've changed the world with my business by any means, but I would like to think that I've changed um, some people within my reach, you know, um, you know, through my company. And that continues to grow, obviously. And it's like definitely a long game before you're any getting anywhere close to changing the world. Um, but it really comes from like seeing a need and and really wanting to help. One of the things Marknology does is like helps. We help a lot of small businesses get like national exposure on the biggest marketplace. You know, so it's like when I see a small brand really start growing um, in a way, it feels like, you know, helping that mom and pop, or, uh, you know, that other small business, or someone else with a dream like yourself, for example, that's like, I have really great stuff. I'm trying to get exposure, like, you know, what can we do with it? And um, versus just helping who, like, you know, it was like, just it, it did nothing for me at that point. Um, so just sharing, like, that's, I think, you know, with all the similarities in like founder stories, you know, whether it's like, someone helping a dad that has um, a disability, or, you know, maybe it's a a loved one that has a diet uh, needs, you know, or different things like that, they create products, food products, Um, a lot of stuff gets, you know, created, uh, a lot of good things get created, uh, things that stick around get created out of that need. Um, And for people looking for that thing, um, or what's that thing to make that move, you know, one thing I'd say is that I just started looking at what was best for myself. And not in like a crazy selfish way, but in like a self-love kind of way that was like, as I started paying attention to that and I got better as, as you go, kind of like being in the gym, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it was like from there I could give to others but i couldn't okay. give from others until like that was full and it's like a it's a it's a personal thing it's a business thing too and like i had nothing to give those things all came when i started seeking that i saw i saw that everything else came after that so for me it's like where do you want to start mm-hmm. start figuring out um you know you have to eat you have to eat of course but like you know <laughs> yeah. uh, like you know yeah like you have doing to a eat a lot of
0: pbj's in my lifetime <laughs>
1: Right. It's like my my buddy still brings ramen noodle over to the house and like we definitely, you know, uh, can eat better than ramen noodle these days. And um, I'm just like, man, I couldn't touch that if you like, you know, paid me a hundred dollars. I'm just like for me, not, not that I'm too bougie or anything like that, but it's like I ate so much. Twenty cent ramen noodle, you know, for like, like to survive, <laughs> like you know, I like, can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that I think we get a lot of listeners that it's that confusion. Some of us are like, you jump in and then we figure it out as we go. A lot of people are like, you know, want want to plan, um, but the best ideas, you know, the best businesses come from seeing a need or whether it's within yourself or in an industry like Amazon or, um, in the, in the fashion, you know, in waste, eco stuff, um, starting there with intent is the best place to start. And I think
0: you you start and then it's never that thing that is going to, I feel like necessarily going to take off. You always build on it. mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) I had started A fashion company and now I'm doing flowers like I never but I wouldn't have gotten to where I'm at today unless I kind of took that step Mm -hmm. everything I've noticed has just like built on itself or opened up doors or I've met people through that experience that has come to fruition today like I just see them all as like I said like lily pads um that lead you to the next step even if it's not that thing
1: okay so we were talking about um i want to be cognizant of time so i want to get to where we're at today so like let's fast forward you leave um you you said you were in that industry even kind of in half in a little bit like still doing like styling stuff and production stuff Mm -hmm. taking gigs maybe like consulting um you started a fashion company
0: yeah so i so i decided i was like i'm gonna run full force um In running, it was a clothing company of workwear for women with more flexible jobs. So women who work at co-working spaces and don't want to necessarily wear jeans and a t-shirt, but also don't want to dress corporate. I like it. Cool and casual. Um, I actually, um, yeah, we're bike commuters and want to look chic and stylish for like a meeting with a client because this was kind of my life right now. I worked such a flexible type of work lifestyle, but I still want to look professional when I had a meeting. That's all I need. Yeah. So I, um, I spent a year on the Kickstarter campaign, um, sending out, um, emails, um, building an audience through an email list and updating people on my process. Um, I sold my car for two and a half years in LA and just biked everywhere in order to fund the startup costs for that. Um, and in order to pay for fabric and patterns, this is where flowers comes in. I took some gigs at some local flower shops um I didn't know anything about flowers I used to make fun of my roommate at the time because she would like come home from Trader Joe's with like a $7.99 bundle of tulips and I'd be like those are just gonna die why did you buy us (laughs) and now this is my life but um but yeah so I sold my car and I just started gigging at different flower shops in order to pay for fabric and patterns um to get the kickstarter off the ground um and yeah, so a year into that, I launched the Kickstarter, um, and fund it within a week. Um, it was, okay. awesome. I found, funded the first round of production, um, and didn't go into the red once, um, which is pretty rare for a fashion startup. And, um, it was, yeah, it was awesome to be able to ship product and bring a, bring an idea from your head or that was on a sketch, um, to life. Um yeah manufactured it locally in los angeles um but as i was manufacturing products i started getting clients of my own and flowers because um weddings events um and corporate companies started approaching me because i um, i think my background in doing costumes since i was working in set design and props i just always have loved building things with my hand or full-on space design or installations so I started finding myself in this niche in the flower world doing installations for corporate experiential events. Um, and I just remember vividly this moment, this was kind of the fork in the road moment where half my car was filled with flowers and the other half was big, filled with fabric for the factory. And I was so burnt out. Again, I keep reaching these burnt out phases. And I was like, I, I have to choose one. Like, and I was getting more money from flowers at the time and fashion, I just would have needed some investors to keep going. And so I decided to pause the clothing company and just run with the flower fashion, um, with the flower business full speed ahead um, and just went all in. And um, found myself then, that was in 2018 when I launched Flora Loom. Okay. Long ago. Yeah, I um, just started doing getting little jobs and then bigger ones with clients and um, corporate companies and brands started approaching me to design um, like immersive experiential events um, or installations, and so that's where I ended up before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, so um, I I do think my focus with Floorloom has been kind of an accumulation though of all my creative experience together having worked in film and set design and now fashion because honestly at the end of the day i love telling stories which was originally why i went to film school and um i love understanding a client and what their motivation is and i kind of i see them as a character in a costume design um i would read the script it was about the story that lent itself to the design and so i i approach that with floor loom is i really want to know my clients and their branding and their colors and what kind of story they're trying to communicate and then i design with that in mind so um, i love
1: that and i, I love that in the, in the episode right before this one it's talking with brian And we were literally on, on the same thing. And so it's kind of crazy that you bring it up, you know, it was like, he was military intelligence background, grew up in South Korea. Um, you know, I was creative band dude with a computer science degree, you know, um, we started a real estate business together. Um, and his ability to research deals and, and, you know, find great opportunities, uh, and my ability to, you know, systemize some things and scale things from my tech background and, and, you know, the ability to understand e-commerce, so things for like Airbnb and photography and decorating them and things like that. Um, it was like the accumulation of all, like all of our skills up to that point, um, you know, that set us up for, for the business we're doing now. Um, and I think that's one thing that when I first got into business, I didn't look at. And it was just like, I have no qualifications to be here um well who says you know what like the real qualifications are um you know what got you to hear you know and if you have that to get you to hear you're like ready for the next step as well um and i've i've honestly been spending the last couple of years just digging back into my past um in a more accepting way in a way that's like what can this chapter teach me if i reevaluate it differently um from a different perspective than from just like You know, a lot of times we look back and I wouldn't say I have regret, but you kind of see things in a certain light Um, and being able to be like, how did that, how can that help me in my job today? Like, you know, how can that help me in my person today Um, has been really big. And I like, so, I mean, for me, you're, you're saying that like everything you had done in fashion and film, um, you know, set you up to make these arrangements and tell stories and mine's like problem solving. I love telling stories, uh, but I love solving problems. So it, it, and and I, I came to that conclusion during the pandemic because it was, uh, I really wanted to think about if I would lose my identity, if I lost my business, you know, this year. And I think most of us had some of those thoughts go through our head, you know, and I wanted to make sure I was going to be okay. I didn't want to blindside me, not blindside my business, but blindside Andrew, um, you know from being like am i still gonna have an identity if Marknology is gone and you know yeah. businesses stop paying or something like that and i was like yeah because at the end of the day i just like solve problem solving problems you know and helping yeah. people you like
0: you know, you yeah don't. that's
1: true yeah this, yeah and i i hear that in you and i just wanted to like kind of echo that sentiment that when you know that um it allows you to let go of control a little bit uh so yeah, and happiness to me is when, like, when you can figure out how to let go some of control. There's happiness on the other side of that. Um, so if you know your why, um, it becomes a lot easier to decide to say yes to things, you know, and no to other things.
0: Yeah, I, you know, what it was because the pandemic really helped me to do exactly that thing, like to just go inward and really edit everything that I'd done up to this point and figure out what is the one thing that drives me.
1: Okay, right before we get into, um, I want to know like what you're doing this year during the pandemic, but I want to give one more shout out to our sponsor, FullScale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Um, FullScale is a company that is founded by uh, the the main host of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCorsi. For anyone that's listening, um, FullScale is a go-to if you have any kind of software development needs uh, in your company. Um, You know, whether it's websites, whether it's development, whether it's app development, um, fantastic team. I've used them myself. Um, Can't compliment them enough. Colleen, let's talk about the pandemic and how you adjusted. I was in um, a small business accelerator when the pandemic kind of first hit uh, Babson College in uh, Boston. And uh, the 10K Goldman Sachs SB, for anyone listening, um, I know there's a lot of alumni out there. So um, it's a great community to be a part of. I didn't really know what I was getting into. Uh, Someone just told me to apply and I did. You have to be kind of an established business to be in. So it's not like right at the beginning. It's more like you have to have 10 plus employees and be a business a certain amount of time.
0: Congrats. Uh, Thank you.
1: Thank you. But uh, first I was like studying... You know, you meet a team that you're with kind of the whole like for the master certificate, you get like a master certificate for going through it, and you get this small team you're a part of. You meet them in person in Boston. It's this whole affair. It was pretty cool. And they pick you up in a black car. And like, I'm from the Midwest, you know, like that stuff was cool. Yeah, it was dope. Uh, I was like, this car's for me. Like, you guys have a uh, No, but I rocked the part. I'm just like, okay, you know, uh,
0: I'm going to own this.
1: I'm, yeah, this is natural, whatever. was uh, in my first time. Oh, man. and, uh, no, it was a lot of fun, but you get close to these people. There was over 150 people in the cohort wow. pandemic hits right after we had all met in person. So we all meet in person in Boston. We go back home, we're yeah. going to come back again this year. And they they actually changed the program to really be like, kind of like an ER for businesses and, uh, all of the instructors and the community was just like, who can help who? And, um, I really feel like I was blessed to have this insight, um, some leadership from the number one entrepreneur school in America, like number one. So the leadership was pretty solid, uh, giving us advice, kind of like live advice. Um, But seeing like, uh, everyone became vulnerable because it was founders talking to founders. You know, it's just similar to this podcast. This is a podcast for uh, by founders for founders. So a lot of founders listening. Um, And we were just like, stuff was real it was like, we were all looking inward. Like, what do we do? Like, and I can't even
0: st- figure out it. I,
1: I yeah. can't study right now. Like I don't want to do this master's yeah. you know, thing. Like this is not, I need to save my business or save someone else's business or like handle some real shit. And uh, but what I loved about it is everyone's being completely transparent. We had, we had these weekly groups and I was seeing businesses drop. Like we were down to like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I think less than 50% honestly, we're still in the class. And this is like a a big thing, you know, and it was like, sure, you see signs go up around the city, even here in Kansas City, you think and you guess but like, when these are people you met that are like, I'm closing my doors on Tuesday, you know, it was like, real eye opening for me and kind of just created this um, not not dread, but gratitude to be in e commerce, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just being like, man, I'm like, wh- privileged to be in this space, like blessed to be in this space. What, And but seeing real life people's stories, they were telling their stories, they were sharing them. Um, it was a crazy time for me and for a lot of businesses. Um, it was also really awesome to hear and see stories of like, entrepreneurs coming back to life, almost that you had never seen, you know, here in kansas city we had regurg you know started doing hand sanitizer we had mean mule started shipping um you know beverages to people because they changed the you know the mayor changed the rules to allow us to ship you know alcohol or deliver it um just cool stuff was happening and for me it was like invigorating you know you talked about you thrive in chaos so have i like i'm a wartime general not really like a peacetime <laughs> <Yeah>. general <laughs> Yeah, and it was like,
0: conflict. I'm like, ready
1: to go. Like, yeah. So it was, it was exciting for me too. I almost felt a little level of like survivor guilt a little yeah. bit, like, you know, that I was enjoying this chaos um, that was happening. Let's talk about that. That's my perspective on, you know, some of this year and what I was seeing from my like businesses that had events, for example, um, they created like team building events i was one of the guys that was there and he was just like well do i just like send pdfs of what to do you know like he's just like virtual events like everyone's kind of like figures stuff out now but when everyone was just like freaking out there wasn't really like a clear path to go um you're arranging this experiential um you know floral arrangements like different stuff like that events stop what's going through your head
0: Yeah. I think like you, there was a bit of a moment where I was like, oh my, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. But now like looking at it, I'm like so many incredible things have happened over the past eight months now, just how people have changed. And um, yeah, I was working in the event industry. That was, I had lots of projects lined up for this year um, and literally overnight everything canceled. And I was on a call with a couple of big brands and I um I just remember when they pulled out and they were like, well, we don't know what the future holds. I was just like, I've gotta gotta figure out something. Um, so I actually this all kind of happened around Mother's Day this past Mother's Day. I realized, you know, in LA, everyone was quarantined. Um, a lot of people weren't going to be with their moms for Mother's Day. Um, and. I decided to come up with a wreath making a shipped wreath making experience using all preserved flowers that wouldn't die. And I kind of tapped into my background and having shipped tons of product for my fashion company, I kind of tapped into those e commerce skills um, and worked with a friend of mine um, to literally in two weeks come up with the whole shipping process and ordering process for these wreath making kits. Okay. Um, so that kids could send their mom an experience that they could have. And I wanted to pilot this idea of doing like a shipped creative experience through flowers. And um, we sold out overnight after I launched the idea and um, shipped off wreath kits all across the country and Canada. And I think for me, it was more just like proof of concept to just see if something like this could work. And um, it was so beautiful to get like screenshots of like moms and their kids and like FaceTime making this wreath together. because I. I think going back to what you were saying about your why is like I was doing a lot of soul searching and I realized that it wasn't necessarily putting on these huge events that I loved. It was a lot of work. I think it was more of, I love creating experiences where people um, just for a moment can, it like takes away the grind. It takes away the hardships of life. And they just have this like beautiful moment, just being with one another Um, that suspends the grind and
1: like a um, puzzle kind what? of like a puzzle yeah like I for know. me doing a puzzle with the family was like i don't really like doing puzzles but like <laughs> when we're all four or five of us sitting around like grabbing pieces like you know trying to find where it goes on the board and it's like it's the simplest thing but it creates like a moment you know and sometimes yeah. I, i've been like i literally bought my sister a housewarming gift or like a random uh it was a as a puzzle and she's like, what is this? And I guess I was just like in this mood of like, just like, I, I miss this. Like, you know, I miss, um, you know, just this sitting around making a moment, like whether it's, um, a puzzle or a wreath or whatever. I do have a question though, before you jump ahead, I want to know, how did you sell out overnight? Like, how did, how did you get exposure to it?
0: Um, so a couple different ways I I think for me is anytime I go to like launch a new idea, I try to build momentum leading up to it. So I had made like several announcements through my different platforms. I've, I've kept up a pretty consistent email list over the years and it started with my clothing line and I just carried it over into fashion and people have been like just so supportive. And I kind of noticed with the pandemic, there was like so much love for small business owners and people just really wanted to support us. Um, and I try to tap in just around mother's day when I know people, that's usually a big time for florist. Um, and I just wanted to, yeah, I, I guess I just started spreading the word on Instagram and my email newsletter and just kind of promoting it to kind of gauge interest. Um, and I, I mean, when I sell out too, like, I only had enough product because the flower market was closed and I had to like scramble and order all this, mm-hmm. stuff. um, And I think I did about 60 kits and I turned my entire living room into a shipping fulfillment center.
1: Yes, I love that.
0: Yeah, my roommate comes out and she's like, "Uh, what's going on?
1: they are like, well, we uh, sold out.
0: Yeah, I wasn't expecting, I was actually expecting to do maybe about like 10. So um, yeah, so that was a scramble trying to fulfill those orders.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. When you're not set up to like, I had a nightmare the first time ESPN retweeted like one of my tweets about my new shirts and uh, didn't even know what Twitter was is my second tweet. I'll be honest. I just didn't mess with it. (laughs) And uh, like I'm like a techie that doesn't know a lot of tech or like stuff. So like I tweeted, I figured it out. ESPN retweeted, is like, check out these cool shirts, sold like over 200 shirts in one night. And I just always like, just like printing the labels. So I'm like printing the labels all of a sudden they all printed out. I'm like, these are all out of order. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh my God, it was like chaos. So I had like, I laid everything out like, you know Um, but no, I wanted to actually like, that reminded me, I didn't want to interrupt you earlier, but you were talking about uh, Kickstarter. Okay. And you talked about a year you worked on the Kickstarter Okay. Uh, and then you launched and you hit your mark in what a day, a week? Yeah. Okay. So for anyone listening, that's not normal. Um, but that's like a perfect plan on how to do it. So, so many people ask about kickstarters. They talk about kickstarters. Like you have to essentially give a Kickstarter as much attention as you would starting a business that year. The Kickstarter is your business. Um. And so many people are just like, I'm going to put a video up and, you know, then they're not successful or they like do that thing or they overpromise they haven't made all the items yet. So like the Kickstarter hits and then, you know, they're having to figure that kind of stuff out. Um, It sounds like you took some of that into this, too, which was like building hype, um, you know, for what's coming.
0: I think it's not so much hype. It's real relationships, too. I think. There is so much product out there. There There's so many things to buy. And I know for me, I purchase things based off of relationships and who I know. And um, my Kickstarter campaign, I really wanted people to be invested in why I was doing what I was doing, which was trying to, you know, make a change in the fashion industry for better. Mm -hmm. And I, and so keeping people updated about my journey, I think. Sometimes we're so focused on the end project that we're quick to launch and here's what we're doing as opposed to inviting people on the journey to get invested in it. So people, I was telling people, Hey, should I use this fabric swatch or this one? And I was telling them, I just, um, I was telling them I brought them inside the factory and show them who was making the clothes. And so that whole year long journey of inviting people into the beginning of my sketch to when I actually launched it, the Kickstarter made people so invested that like when I launched the Kickstarter, I had friends who already knew what the product was, what the idea was. I literally posted one little thing on Facebook and it just like flew. And I had friends who wrote emails to all their community without even asking them to, because I think they felt a part of it just as much as I did. And so I think as far as creating hype is I just want people to be invested in the journey of like why I was doing what I was doing, because then you want to share it because you become invested in it.
1: Complete opposite of hype.
0: I guess so. I mean, yeah. I feel like only lasts for a limited amount of time. Whereas I, like, I want people to be involved. Like I really like, even, you know, my Instagram followers, I love having relationships with them. Um, I just want things to feel more personalized.
1: No, I think um, that's, that's a home run. Uh, And that takes a long time. I think that's a big one. Um, everybody wants everything like tomorrow, but relationships don't work that way. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah.
0: really cool too. Like, you know, exactly. people like I'm on my bike or I'm on the bus with the fabric and the patterns. And I'm like, this is embarrassing. This isn't what a fashion designer looks like, but here I am.
1: But, it, but it is, I mean, they had, I can compare myself to my mentors or, um, you know, to other entrepreneurs out there, but like everyone just has their own story and you got to own it. And like, for me, um, I feel like I know what it takes to, to be successful. It's a lot of work. That's what I think. I think it's a lot of work and people get that expectation wrong. Um, if, if like on my Instagram, I've been encouraging people to follow along my hashtags, like watch me work, you know, because it's like, look, I've been posting for six plus years. Um, day like not, not day in and day out. Not with that consistency, but just showing that it just takes work, like consistent work over time and relationship building to say, Hey, Like I'm showing you what I'm doing. I'm showing you when I fail. I'm talking about those, um, those seasons, you know? Um, and if you're following along, like it's, it's exciting for both of us, you know, whenever, like I was always raised kind of in that tribe mindset that was like a win for you is a win for me. Like, you know, if you pass a test, it's like, we're all celebrating, um, and I think like, that's just the basics of relationship one, you know, a real relationship one one is like just celebrating with each other. And when you create kind of that feeling between you and your, yeah, you know, as a brand, even if you're a brand of one, um, you know, truly like that's where it starts, but even if you're a brand of one, um, you know, people are very attracted to that. And that's like, I mean, in essence, that's the long version of, you know, what we're trying to do on Amazon too, like to bring it, bring it to that business is like, how do I, in, in a page you know, this could be a Colleen, um, you know, that's created this product, uh, with passion and like, this is her thing. And like, this is my chance to tell her story, um, through photos or like, you know, copy on the page or a video, um, you know, that kind of brings that relationship to life in e-commerce. Um, it's awesome. Where can people find your stuff?
0: Um, so right now I am shipping the whole shipped experience that I told you about, um, has now turned into something that even bigger than I expected um I'm now shipping out a lot of team building corporate events especially with the holidays coming up I just did one for Twitter tomorrow I'm doing one for Pandora next week's Wells Fargo so I'm noticing I'm kind of like getting more and more involved in this shipped kit experience for virtual team building events okay um, and um yeah so so, so how it, does
1: it work like does someone um everyone like let's say everyone's virtual everyone gets the kit and then you guys do it together like Mm -hmm. virtually
0: yeah so i ship out the kits like just a couple days ago i shipped out 23 kits all across the country um because now people are working remotely so they're not necessarily in new york or los angeles they're all moving across so i ship it to them i work with the host at the corporate company who's ever managing the team Um, and I, we schedule a day for me to lead the virtual workshop and then everyone opens up their packages and we all create together. And it's been really fun to just see people from all across the country create, um, this experience together. And I, I work with, um, I use like all natural and dried products and, and I want to create pieces that last. Um, so yeah, so I've been, um, just reaching, uh, or Corporate companies have been reaching out to me and I, I want to keep moving in this direction. And it's something that now I want to like scale. I want to grow this and I've been to help me actually fulfill orders and pack kits. Um, I have a partnership now with the new house in Kansas city. They're, um, a shelter, uh, for women and children healing from domestic violence. And so, um, a couple weeks ago I set up a floral loom studio in their shelter and, um, hired on a group of women to help me fulfill kit orders. So the journey, super awesome. it's, it was so awesome. And some of these women too, like come from having run their own companies with their husbands or, and, um, they like helped me to figure out the production chain and to make for a more efficient process. So I was learning from them, um, along, uh, the kit fulfillment process, um, yeah, so this is something that I want to just keep running full speed ahead. I want to scale this shift kid experience. And I want to provide this um, workforce development leadership program with some of the shelters around Kansas City.
1: That's uh, incredible. That's incredible. Um, we have another great KC company that that works with women similar to that. So KC, got to give them a shout out. Um, they've been here in KC, like working with um you know, embattered women for a long time. Uh, so there's a lot of good organizations and we're we're happy to have another one, by the way. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. Um, the and
0: orders that come in, I can like I can offer more employment to these women.
1: I love it. Uh where can they find you? It's Flora F L O R A Loom.
0: Uh F-L-O-R-A-L-O-O-M dot com. Um and if you go on my homepage, I'm actually working on updating you'll see a button to my shipped wreath making kit experiences and i'm doing holiday i'm getting ready to do a holiday wreath making kit and launching that soon so that will go up on my site and then i'm pretty active on instagram and talk about showing behind the scenes and the work i'm i'm pretty um active on stories and i also do weekly bouquets at billy's grocery which is downtown kansas city okay billy's grocery is a cool market and cafe So I've been doing weekly bouquets for them there and um, that's been fun.
1: I love it. I, uh, it's been three or four years ago, but there was a, a big DIY website. He had made all these DIY kits for things like all across the board. It wasn't all floral. Um, but he's, his website was in the millions. So a little word of encouragement that the DIY thing is a good, a good way to go, um, and continue to like, just keep expanding and see where it takes you. Um, you know, everybody like we, like we like to work with our hands, you know, and I think we're bringing that kind of stuff back. And um, I think my mom used to make wreaths. now that I think yeah. about it, you know, I'm pretty sure that she did. So,
0: I think, you know, we're just so over zoomed right now with like so much virtual and this idea of having like a tactical offline experience. I know I'm teaching it virtually, but like just having that online offline component, it's there's something really satisfying about building something with your hands. And I want to bring that.
1: Colleen, your story is incredible. Um, we're lucky to have you here in KC and we'll have to get to know each other a little bit better. Um, and I'm going to have to have follow up with you in, in maybe a year, maybe let less have you back on the show. Let's see where things have gone. Because um, I have an, I have a feeling or a hunch, as you said earlier, uh, that there's some different opportunities that are going to open up with what you're doing. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch you. Guys, you heard where to follow her. They'll be in the show notes. Um, her website will be there, social media, um how long have you been in Kansas City
0: um two months today
1: two months so if you guys are following on social media say hello um welcome to Kansas City Colleen thanks for being on the show
0: thank you so much for having me you're welcome thank
1: you so much and uh startup hustlers let's give a shout out again to our sponsor fullscale.io uh helping you build software teams quickly and affordably uh see you later all
0: right see ya